0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we have a jam packed episode, so we hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, grab a cold beverage, and let's talk everything there is to know in Louisiana outdoors. Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is also brought to you by SRD20 Boat Products. It shouldn't be hard work. SRD20 products use advanced nanotechnologies in its formulations explicitly designed for boat maintenance. From boat waxes for detailing to waterless washing wax products, SRD20 has boat care products that keep your boat protected from the elements and looking brand new. Visit them online at www.srd20.com and enter promo code LASTSTOP for 20% off all srd20 products today. Hey, good afternoon everybody and welcome back to all new episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast. As always, I'm your host Jacob Robbery guys and I hope everybody's doing great this week. As we are now inching a little bit closer to Christmas and we are now into the second half of the waterfowl season here, at least down here in Louisiana we are and many of you have either started to close depending where you are in the flyways or you're kind of in the second half of the season like we are here in Louisiana, but a lot has been going on and uh, and we have a lot to talk about on this episode. So we're going to kind of sit back and we're going to recap, take a look at the first uh First half of the season down here in Louisiana, we'll discuss that, uh, as well as the kickoff to the second half of the season for many of us throughout the state here, and uh, and kind of see how that that unfolds and breaks out and compares to what you guys are seeing up and down the flyways right now. But uh, but it's been a very interesting season uh, nonetheless, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fill you guys in on kind of what the predictions were if you listen to the podcast um and you've heard us talk about our predictions before the season started i'm going to kind of fill you all in on, on where i was right and where i may be wrong and kind of what we've seen first split so we're going to dive into that a little bit but uh but from all of us here at Last Stop Waterfowl before we get into it i want to thank you so much and wish you and your families a merry christmas i know we're recording this episode uh the week or right the about 6 days out from christmas now so we just want to thank you and, and for all the support that you guys give us here at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors, and we want to wish you and your families a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. So we hope everybody's doing great uh, as we get ready to kick off the year 2024. So um, if you guys are like me, it seems like this year has just flown by, especially the second half of the season. You know, it seems like what's... Duck season gets here, man, it just flies. I know we always talk about how quick it goes, and we only have sixty days in a season. And uh and yeah, I mean it just flies by. So once the season gets going, it seems like that second half of the year just 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 kind of rolls on by. Uh and before you know it, uh we're in the springtime again and duck season's over. So uh we gotta enjoy it while we got it, and uh and just kind of roll with the punches and, and finish out the season strong. And I'm sure everybody out there listening. Is trying to do that, so I'm kind of interested to know, guys. Uh, you know, we, we talk to people through social media. We talk to a lot of hunters across the flyways uh, that we're personally friends with, and we have guys that we talk to uh, to, to kind of see how their season's going to compare to what we got going on here down south in Louisiana. and uh, And how's your season's going? I, I'd be interested to know because it is a mixed bag here in Louisiana. Uh, you know the the story, and kind of going back to what I was talking about, what did I have right uh and what did we have wrong as far as predictions went for this season uh here down south in in louisiana and uh and if you guys tuned in to uh, the last couple of episodes we had did, you had heard me talk about a reverse migration possibility, and for those of you who don't know what that is, uh um, basically what I was kind of thinking with. The year that we've had, we're in a major drought down south, especially here in south Louisiana, uh, re- really all of Louisiana, pretty much all the portions of Louisiana, from the midsection on up to north Louisiana, all you boys that in north Louisiana, um, we have had a major drought throughout the summer, and uh, and really just no water, no water to be found hardly at all. Uh, The only thing that's really changed is we have had some precipitation over the last month or so kind of come through and leave very quickly. Uh, But nothing that was, you know, enough to really dump inches and inches of rain like most of us needed in the duck holes. Now, if you're a public land hunter, that could make it even harder for you. Uh, Because, you know, public land, you, you don't have the ability to be able to pump water in for the most part. So you're relying on Mother Nature at that point. And you know with mother nature not cooperating this year, you find yourselves probably in a situation like we've been in most of the year where uh where our camp is and we're not able to hunt uh the the holes in the woods that we normally hunt especially the second half of the season. Y'all know us if you follow us that uh that usually we spend a lot of time in the marsh up in the first split of the season, which is what we've done this year as well. And then in the second half of the season, we like to make that transition and kind of hunt the timber, go to the woods, hunt a bunch of potholes, uh, that type of stuff. When them ducks get skittish, we like to go to the woods and hunt those ducks that are looking for places to kind of get away from that pressure and uh, and go down and rest. And that's usually where we have a lot of success in the second half of the season. Well, this year, that's not that's not possible because we just don't have the rain. A lot of you, your holes probably don't have water as we speak today, as we get ready to roll into Christmas next week. Um, And that's just going to be the situation probably for the remainder of the season unless we would get some kind of major, major rainfall. But then again, we're in an El Nino year, which an El Nino year, you know, when they say that and they've told us that over the years, uh, you know, the weathermen predict an El Nino winter. That's usually a mix, man. It's usually kind of a mild winter typically here in Louisiana over the past, um, you know, from experience that I've had in those El Nino years. It's kind of a warmer, milder winter, not real cold, not like we had last year. Um, But you do tend to get a wet winter a lot of times. Um, And that don't seem to be the case this year, even though they're telling us that it is an El Nino-type winter this year that we're having, uh, you know, down south. So, We are getting some nice cold fronts that are coming through. And to be honest with you, um, that's what's really helped us this year here in the state is some of these cold fronts that are coming through. It's nothing that's major as far as Arctic blasts coming down as of yet. Uh, But we have had some fronts. We've had a lot of high wind days, which have been very nice. Um, You know, any duck hunter will tell you probably that they are not mad at wind for the most part. You know, as long as it's manageable wind, you're not having any kind of hurricane force winds, none of that type of stuff. Or maybe if you hunt in big water, it's not too strong to keep you off the big water. Um, that's always nice. We look for wind. We've had a lot of good wind this year in the first split of the season. And with those fronts and that wind, I think that's what has uh, helped a lot of you that if you've had success, that's been the, one of the key factors for you this year. So, like I said, looking at the beginning of the season when we were talking predictions this year, um, what what did I expect? What did I uh, mention to you guys listening to the podcast? What did I tell other hunters that we were talking about predictions? Everybody loves predictions. Uh, when really, at the end of the day, it doesn't really amount to squat, to be honest with you. you know, It's fun to talk about, yes, but that don't really matter until we get out there and we actually start hunting when the season kicks open. So... You know, we started, like I mentioned, down in the marshes this year, which is not uh, non-typical of what we do here in Louisiana. And my thought was that, hey, you know what, the eastern side of the state and the western side of the state, which is where you're going to have your coastal marshes. I thought, okay, that's not going to be an issue. You're going to have plenty of water there. Um, And, you know, with the central part of the state or the middle portion of the state and on up through the northern parts of the state, uh, not... You know, having any kind of water to hold enough ducks. I thought that those ducks were going to probably migrate past all those areas that they may be imprinted, uh, you know, have imprinted in them that they've come to traditionally and just, you know, not find any kind of water and keep migrating down to the coastal zones, uh, you know, to the areas of the coast where you're going to have your marshes, you know, your saltwater marshes and your brackets marshes. And, uh, and really that has been the case from what I've seen for the most part. So, What I was right on and and what common sense would tell you is that, yes, a lot of those birds probably made their way through the state. They may have, you know, gone through those portions of the state or altogether just bypassed them and headed straight down to the coastal regions of the state where your marshes are, you know, and that has been holding ducks since the season has kicked off here in Louisiana for the most part. So, if you're on the Lake Charles side, you're on the western part of the state. Areas like Hackberry, Lacassine, all those type of areas that have coastal marsh access and, you know, whether it's public land or you have lease land in those areas, you guys have been pretty happy with the season so far for the most part. From what I've talked to all of the guys that I've talked to personally, you know. Uh, You go to the other side of the state, which is where I'm at, is on the eastern side, the southeastern side of the state. You guys down in Bayou Black, Doularge, uh, you know, Delacro, Biloxi Marsh, um, all those areas, um, the eastern portion, I'm going blank on it, but, um, Pearl River, Pearl River, all those areas have done pretty damn well throughout the, the season so far, especially the first split of the season. Um, quite a bit of birds, quite a bit of birds have, have come out of those areas. So that has held true to what I thought would happen, to be honest with you, that a lot of the birds, I thought we would see good numbers of birds this year, uh, down in those areas. And, uh, you know, we are historically, if you look at numbers, when they do, you know, the, uh, the flyovers and they take the surveys, the Western portion of Louisiana always has very high numbers as compared to the, uh, to the Eastern side of the state. Uh, and, you know, that has held true probably once again this year from the numbers that I saw uh that they had kind of released. I watched Delta Waterfowl release some numbers recently on that, as well as Ducks Unlimited had uh, had I watched uh, a video that they had put out on it. Um, and that's kind of been the case, you know. But what they are seeing is that quite a bit more birds have made their way down to the eastern portions of the state this year. And, uh, and that's really not surprising because I think what it is is those birds that usually maybe stage up in your middle portions like Catahoula up north on, you know, the Monroe, West Monroe area. Um, they have good numbers of teal. They have good numbers of wood ducks. Uh, but they haven't seen the numbers of gadwall. They haven't seen the mallards. They haven't seen the, the, the puddle ducks that they typically see. And it's probably due to low water conditions, if I had to take a guess, you know, and I think a lot of those puddle ducks have made their way down to the coastal regions. And, uh, and that's why you're probably seeing a higher increase on the eastern side of the state. Uh, Venice, Louisiana, all those areas that those birds typically feed to, I think you're seeing a lot of those birds push down to those regions and get dispersed throughout the coastal areas. Um, so that, that would make sense to me. Uh, and I could be completely wrong. I'm not a biologist, guys, but that's just what I see out in the field. And I have been out in the field quite a bit and I've been on both sides of the state this year, hunting in the uh in the western and the eastern portions of the state. And uh and that's just kind of what I've witnessed out in the field personally in our crew. You know? So, you know, we've had good numbers, like I mentioned, on the eastern side of the state. Um the hunts that we have been on, I could tell you pretty much a lot of our bag limit has been Gadwall this season. Um, which I know some of you up north, you guys, like we mentioned, you're not seeing the Gadwall that we're getting down here in the marshes, and and that's kind of been the story for the for the most part of the season, but uh, but the coastal marshes we have been seeing quite a bit of gadwall, so good numbers of gadwall showing up early this year. Um, we kicked them off right when the season opened up. We kicked it off with gadwall. Um, now, what's kind of funny about the eastern side of the state is it hasn't been. It doesn't seem like it's been just oh, if you got coastal, you know, uh, marsh to hunt, you're going to have gadwall. That kinda it's kinda funny how that's worked out this year. It hasn't really been the case. Um, there's areas that I know typically have killed, you know, Gadwall or quite a bit of Gadwall season after season that aren't reporting high numbers of Gadwall this year um showing up. So it's kinda like it's real hit or miss wherever the area is. And uh I know the area that we've been hunting, we've had quite a bit of Gadwall, but then you could go, you know, not very far as a, as a crow flies, and down the coastline. And guys are not reporting any kind of bag limits of gadwall; they're just not showing up like they normally do. But they are reporting high numbers of teal. Um, they also seeing quite a bit. You know, what's 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 interesting to me this year, and, and and it's as we record this episode today, it seems like this weekend with the opener of the E zone that just opened up again um, here in Louisiana we are starting to see more numbers of mallards show up on the coast in the coastal areas this year. Um, so that's a good, that's a good thing. That's kind of new to us. Uh, we know how tough it's been to be able to get mallards, uh, fill a bag limit with mallards over the last probably decade, at least or so I would say you'll get, you know, a couple here and there. Uh, but you don't typically shoot four or five, you know, maybe even six mallards in a hunt. Um, in most cases, you know, and you're starting to see more green heads in pictures. You're starting to see, talk to guys. I've been talking to guys that are saying, hey, man, we killed four mallards to go along with our limit. Or we killed, you know, X amount this morning. Maybe we just one or two on some mornings. But they are filling limits or having good days where they are getting a little bit more mallards this year. So that's that's interesting to see, um, because a lot of guys up and down the flyway are reporting that the mallards really haven't made their way down to areas such as Arkansas that are known for them, you know, um, or just not seeing the numbers that they normally see, you know. So I know some hunters have been disappointed in Arkansas and Missouri, um, you know, with the numbers of mallards that they've had show up and what they've been able to harvest this year. Uh, But what I find interesting is that we are getting some of those mallards show up here a little bit more probably than we normally do in the coastal marshes of Louisiana, kind of like the good old days used to be. Um, when you see a little bit more greenheads showing up. So, um, yeah, it's kind of been interesting with the species, but you know, what I've seen out there in the coastal marshes, whether it's the Eastern side of the state is the Western side of the state. Um, you, you have a lot of divers that are down right now. You have a lot of ringnecks. You have a lot of dogrees, um, which they have lowered the number of dogrees that you could kill early part, first split of the season. That's, that's something that they've done uh over the last several years and that's probably helping some I would say because you're seeing quite a bit more birds uh dogrees show up you know a lot of your diver ducks we see quite a bit of redheads this year in the coastal marshes um you know stuff that's not uncommon but we're seeing large quite a bit large larger numbers of them this year so that's been interesting uh, you know to see so that's that's really good i even saw this week a guy Shot a cinnamon teal, so that's that's a that's pretty cool to see that. Uh, you know, you kind of get those rare species that that come down every once in a while and somebody will harvest one, and uh, and it's always cool, man, because that makes an absolute beautiful mount. It's a keepsake for somebody to have and uh and be able to remember for quite some time, you know. But uh, but yeah, a cinnamon teal that's something you don't typically see a whole lot of here in Louisiana, and I did see this past weekend in the east zone when it opened up, there was one harvested that uh, was posted on social media. So be- congrats to that guy. Beautiful bird. And I know that's something that you're going to ha- cherish for a long time and uh, and have and have stories about. So that's pretty cool. But uh, but for the most part, like I said, a lot of divers, uh, you know, you're seeing typical divers uh, population, uh, maybe a little bit higher number of those this year. I-, I can tell you this, guys, for us, when we opened up the first split, I was down in Hagberry, Louisiana this year. And uh, and we actually held off on the Ringnecks and the Dogrees because we were trying. we we could To be honest with you, we could have limited out if you wanted to say, hey, I limited out in, a, in an hour. We probably could have shot a limit of those if you guys follow us on social media, uh, watched our YouTube channel. We have some videos from the first split when we kicked off the season. And uh, we, we were letting Dogrees and Ringnecks just fly through the spread And it was hundreds, if not thousands of them that we could have, you know, had a chance at, that we could have shot at. And we just, we let go because we were trying to hold out for some more of the, maybe some puddle ducks like your teal, maybe a couple of mallards because the area we were hunting has killed mallards throughout the years. Uh, So we were just kind of holding out. We were being a little bit pickier. And, uh, and, And to be honest with you, that's something this year with, with the the low water situation and us throwing off our kind of pattern of what we normally hunt and when we hunt it, and not being able to hunt it because of no water this year, I, I find myself a lot more laid back. I'll be honest with y'all, you know. And what what do I mean by that? What what I'm finding myself doing is it's kind of forcing me out of my comfort zone, uh, you know, or out of my traditional pattern of what I've done through the years. Like I mentioned, marsh first half of the season. We typically go to the woods second half of the season. And what I'm doing this year, since I can't go to those areas now since the second half of the season's kicking off, I find myself just looking at other areas, you know, like new areas. And and I'll go check them out. I'll make a morning hunt. Um, And if I kill one or two birds, you know what? That's what I kill. I kill one or two birds. But it's getting me out of my, my normal comfort zone. It's getting me out. And get me back onto public land to explore new areas and areas that could be future possibilities for us to revisit as public land hunters. You know, so I kind of I'm kind of enjoying it. I'll be honest with you on that. You know, um, that's something that I'm kind of looking forward to. Every week, I I kind of pick another spot and I'll say, hey, uh, let me go try to hit this up, even if it's just a uh, like a week morning hunt. You know, because right now at this time of year, with my full time job, I'm off on Mondays. And we have been hunting one specific spot down in the marsh on Mondays for the most part, uh, since the season kicked off. And we have done really well there. And, and it's an area that, uh, that I've had several people kind of try to find out. They hit me up and they say, Hey, uh, looks like you're here or, you know, is this the area that you're in? And, and I'll tell them, I'll, I'll say, uh, yes or, or, or no, you know, yeah, I'm not going to tell you exactly where we are, but yeah, I mean, I, those of you who know, you know, you know where it's at. So, you know, we, we've kind of been sticking to that on a Monday game plan, but other days we'll kind of mix it up. We'll try some of these new spots out and we'll go make a hunt and see what, what comes about, you know, on those specific areas. So that keeps it fun. That to me as a public land hunter, that's what keeps, uh, keeps it fun, keeps it fresh, keeps it interesting, you know? So getting out of my comfort zone and my normal routine that we do from year to year, the areas we hunt, um, that's kind of been fun for us this year, you know? So... That's a, that's something that I would, I would suggest to a lot of you, uh, especially public land hunting, get out there and hit up some different areas, man. Travel across the state because we got a lot of, we have a lot of land that is available as far as public land goes here in Louisiana that you have access to as hunters. Now, you know, we talked about how a lot of that area of public land is shrinking in a lot of the areas that we do have, but we still, you know, with that being said, we still have a lot of areas to hunt across the state and a lot of public land that's available to us as hunters you know so that's a good thing i would tell you travel across the state get out there go hunt some new areas if you're not familiar with it get out there ahead of time go scout a little a little bit kind of get a lay of the land use use the technology we got at our fingertips now with the with the apps such as on and hunt stand and all this stuff google earth um, kind of find you some areas go scout them out make it take a day Go, go kind of, you know, scout it out, but try to, I would tell you, try to stay as quiet as you can going into these areas that are being hunted because the season is open right now, you know, but go explore and, 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 you know, keep it, keep it smart as far as the way you scout, but also go take a look and maybe hunt some of these new areas because it really makes it fun. And that's really, in my opinion, with the public land, a lot of big portion of wild hunt public land. That's, that's a, one thing I really like about it, you know, so that's kind of been the situation for us. We, we hunt some of those newer areas, trying them out, seeing if we could stumble upon maybe a little honey hole here and there. And then we go out and we, we, you know, we make a hunt and then we base where we're going to hunt next off of that experience that we had on, on these spots that we're trying out. Now, you know, I would tell you this much, guys, the birds have worked pretty well first split from what I've seen, my experience. Um, but you know, we, we, we try to hunt it smart. We don't pound one spot, you know, back to back to back to back. A lot of guys, you, you may feel like you're limited because you only know one or two spots, or you may only have a handful of spots that you know to go to. That's why it's important to get out there and kind of go explore and learn some new areas, uh, like I just mentioned, because it'll, it'll broaden your horizon as far as areas that you have to hunt. And then what we like to do is, based on the weather conditions, We'll hunt certain spots with certain weather conditions, and we've done that. Uh We've been very blessed in the first split, personally, our group has, that we've been able to hit those fronts that I mentioned earlier, that we have had some, some fronts come through, and we've been able to hit those fronts at the right time. And when you hit those fronts at the right time, th- your success level goes up greatly as compared to those days where you kind of get, you know, those conditions where you don't, you know how it is, you don't catch no wind, you don't have a front coming through um, you know and, and the birds are just kind of stale you don't have a whole big push of new birds coming in um, so that that makes a huge difference don't don't let that fool you that makes a huge difference if you can catch those days and hunt those days where those fronts are coming in um, that makes a huge difference in the success rate um, you know this time of year the holidays a lot of people have time off they have vacation that they take during season. and if you're you know have a job you're lucky enough to have a job where you can you know, basically take time off or days off based on the weather, kind of on the fly. That that's that's huge. That's huge. That makes a big difference, you know, because I guarantee you, when you catch those days where those fronts are coming through, uh, whether it's a it's a uh, you know a front pushing it out the south or pushing it out the north, just some kind of weather system change, it, it has made a huge difference for us in the first split, and we've had a lot of success, to you know, due to hunting on those those days with those fronts. So I would tell you, definitely take a, take a look at that. Watch the weather closely. Uh, That's been something that we've really watched closely and and we've tried to hunt those fronts as much as possible. And that's, what's contributed to a lot of our success. Uh, Also decoys. I've had several people through social media contacts as they were asking us, you know, just kind of what's our decoy spread been like, are we using a lot of decoys? First split of the season, or are we using little decoy spreads, smaller decoy spreads? Or are we throwing motion in there? I can honestly tell y'all guys that for us personally, we have not pulled a mojo out of the bag. I have a whole bag that I'm looking at literally right now outside my, my home, and I have it filled to the brim with you know spinning wing decoys, water motion decoys, that type of stuff and i can tell you i haven't moved that bag since the season started hardly at all i got it ready thinking that i was going to be using it and like i said we've had some luck with some hunting some fronts which means you typically going to have some wind and we really haven't broke out a spinning wing decoy at all uh especially down in the marshes uh you know so far this year so my bag has been sitting on the ground i haven't broke out a single mojo not a single motion decoy the only thing that we have put other than regular decoys, regular floaters, in our spread is a jerk string. And uh, and uh I cannot tell you the importance of a jerk string, guys, how important a jerk string could be. Now, have we had to use it on all of our hunts? We have not because we've had really good wind this year, you know, so far. But there has been a few occasions where we pulled it out, and it makes a world of difference, guys. Especially you guys that are hunting down in the woods. You know, if you do have any kind of water... In the woods, in an area that you hunt, maybe it's a private land that you got, it's a pond inside the woods, it's a little little bayou inside the woods, something like that. Those days where you don't have any kind of wind because you tucked inside that those woods, you tucked inside that timber, trust me, guys, a jerk string will help you tremendously. And I know y'all have heard that a million times. Everybody talks about that. But, but to be honest with you, I've been guilty of it through the years where I don't always carry a jerk string. And to be honest, just because it's kind of a pain in the ass, I always looked at it as more of a, a nuisance sometimes to have to lay out a jerk string than to uh, to not use one at all, to be honest, you know, with you. And, uh, but I, I've learned. I've learned a lesson from that that I was wrong on that. And uh, I had a, a friend of ours that we hunt with uh, that actually made me a multiple decoy rig jerk string um, two seasons ago. He made it for me. And it has been lights out for us when we use it. When we need it, there is a time and place to use it. Uh, And when we've needed it, it has put some birds on the water for us. And uh, and it's made a huge difference. So I would tell you that that's something that we've used first split this year. Um, The jerk string a little bit when we need it. But for the most part, guys, it has been regular decoys, floater decoys that we've been using uh you know now species i i have been asked that you know about species uh you know and, and really i don't know I, i'm not, i try to i guess you could say i try to match the hatch you know for the most part with that um you know if we're hunting an area that we have a lot of gadwall we're killing 90 percent gadwall then obviously we want to have gadwall in our spread but you know, um, we don't kill a lot of mallards. I haven't killed a lot of mallards in the last several years, you know. And and we use traditional mallard decoys, you know. We'll put those in our spread as well because I like the color they give off. But I, I do like, you know, especially like sunny days where we're hunting the marsh and you get those bright sunny days uh, and the wind's pumping. I like to use species, when I, when I get my decoys ready to go make that hunt the next day, I like to use decoys that have some color to them, a little bit of flash to them. So if we are killing a lot of gray ducks, I know we're going to an area where we're killing a lot of gray ducks. Yes, I'm going to have some gray ducks in my spring. The only thing is, is that gray ducks don't put off a bunch of color, you know. So when you got those bright sunny days, there's not a lot of color on a gray duck, you know, decoy. So I'll mix in something like a widgeon possibly, you know, where it has that white, that green stripe across a, a drake widgeon head spoonbills they got those those bright colors the whites the greens the iridescent colors that really pop and really show up in the sunlight uh you know coots coots believe it or not i know they're not a bright color but coots that being that solid black that shows up in all conditions really really well and those birds are just accustomed to see looking for coots they see coots they're familiar with coots and that is the ultimate confidence bird in my opinion when you're setting up a spread So you'll see us with coots in our spread. We've used them this year. We use them every year, you know, because I think that is huge. And I had a guy ask me about coots actually a few weeks ago. He said, hey, I noticed in one of the videos y'all using coots, he says, uh, he says, do y'all put those in the spread, out in your spread over the water? And my answer was, I kind of looked at him and I said, What do you mean over the water he says well where do you place them in your spread i said oh okay yeah i see what you're getting at i said we throw the coots next to the to the grass line so if we're hunting saltwater marsh or brackish marsh we're hunting cattails you know marsh grass that type of stuff we're gonna throw our coots up against the grass line closer to the blonde so i actually like if we build a blonde or a brush blonde on you know a bank or something like that in the marsh then we'll put those coots up closer to us, kind of either off to the right side, either the left side, or maybe even a couple on both sides. Uh, because I think that definitely gives them some confidence, and we've had a lot of those gadwall uh, that we've killed throughout the you know first half of the season this year. They'll come in, and they will light close to those coot decoys next to the bank and actually give us some really fantastic shots. So, you know, I think that they feel very confident. Coots show up really well on the water, even though they're not a bright color. You know, decoy, uh, they're they're just used to seeing coots, and they know that when there's coots, they have grass, they have feed. It's usually shallow water, and those puddle d- ducks are attracted to that. Uh, so coots, if you don't use them in your decoys, guys, I would suggest getting you, go, go to Academy, pick you up some coot decoys, or, you know, as simple as taking you some Coke bottles, painting them black, some old decoys maybe that you have that you, you kind of retired, you maybe got you some new ones, go ahead and spray paint them a dull black color and go ahead and throw them out there. I promise you it'll make you a huge difference. And uh, I'm a firm believer in it. Jackson, to this day, Jackson, my son that hunts with us, to this day, he still fights me on coots. He's like, he hates coot decoys for some reason. But as we go every year, a little more and more, he's becoming more accustomed to knowing that they work. And he used to tell me, says that uh, you know, I hate, I don't know why we bring those. That's extra decoys. They don't work. We don't even have coots in our area. Well, let me tell you something. You don't have to necessarily have coots in your area to put out coot decoys because they will work just about anywhere you go. Uh, whether you're in the marshes, you're in the field, you know, uh, a crawfish pond, a rice field, any of that type of stuff uh coot decoys will work for you trust me on that they will work for you so that's just something that we've done the coot deal is something that we've mixed in uh this year but if it's you know puddle duck decoys or diver decoys i typically on the bright sunny days i like to get something with a lot of color a lot of flash to them and that's what i try to put into my spread now the size the size of the decoy spread that's something a little different you know that just kind of depends with us being public land hunters we're mobile a lot of times so we try to go as light as we can on the spreads but you know it depends where we're hunting if we're hunting an open water area and we're competing against divers and coots and that type of stuff uh, then we're going to put a bigger spread you know we might have several dozen decoys out so that just depends on the situation for whenever you are for the area that you're going to be hunting you know now if it's a small marsh pond we may be down to two dozen decoys in the first split you know we may put a dozen on one side a dozen on the other side kind of leave a pothole in the middle maybe a couple on the on the outer edge of the middle portion of the spread uh you know but what i found has really worked for us with the winds this year and it just kind of worked seemed to be where it worked out that way is we'll put a pot of ducks on the right hand side. We'll put a pot on the left hand side. And like I said, a couple on the back middle side, kind of further back. And then we'll throw those coot decoys out up against the bank or where we have the blinds at. And, uh, and those ducks seem to kind of funnel in and they'll either go to one or two spots, places for the most part. They're either going to land in that landing area in the middle that we have set up for them, or they're going to kind of land on those edges where the coots are. Uh, and like I had mentioned to y'all and that, that, if that works out that way to where it just happens to work like it should, then that's going to give you some very good shots. It's going to get you some higher percentage shots. And, uh, and hopefully you guys will will be able to, you know, harvest more birds that way without, uh, less cripples or with, with less cripples, I should say. Uh, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's, that's what's worked for us. You know, that, that's, what's kind of been the ticket for us. But the number of decoys that we put in the spread, Really, just depends on where we hunt at and the size of the the, the holes that we're hunting, the size of the, the marsh ponds that we're hunting. Uh, you know, we hunted, for instance, we hunted open water a few weeks ago, and we 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 put out a pretty big spread for open water because you know it was an area where we had a lot of divers at. You know, they did have some puddle ducks, but it was more divers than anything. And you know, when you were, when we were scouting out and we were riding through through the lake in open water, we were jumping up big wads of, of, of diver ducks. You know. So in order to compete with that, you have to have, in my thinking, my, my, you know, train of thinking there is that you have to have a little bit bigger spread to be able to compete with those birds that are rafted up. And, uh, and that just happens to be the case most times I find that, you know, you, you can mimic a larger spread. You give them something to say, hey, man, they have a good group of birds over there. Let me go sit down and rest with them. They must be safe. They must be doing okay. They might be sitting on some feed. And, uh, and those birds will feel, feel a little bit more confident to come at least take a look at you, you know. Even though you don't get them coming in all the time, you might be able to get them to at least come by, make a pass, uh, close enough to where you could, you could take a shot and get them, you know. So, uh, you know, that, that's just kind of a recap of, of what's worked for us for the most part. Uh, you know, I can tell you that we've spent a lot of time down in the brackish and saltwater marsh, uh, which is, you know, I did mention that earlier. We spent a lot of time there. And both sides of the state have kind of been the same results. It's been a lot of birds, a lot of different species. Uh, but where I was wrong, guys, is, and I was saying that this podcast, kind of, kind of the subject of it being that, hey, what was I right on with the predictions? What was I wrong on with the predictions? I thought we would have a lot of birds here for the start of the season. And I told people, I said, hey, this is just my train of thought. I think... We're going to have great openers in the east zone and the west zone. But once both zones open up where they start pounding on you know, both sides of the state, I thought we would have a reverse migration. I thought that a lot of those birds would feel pressured, they would get pressured, and they would start pushing up and trying to get away from the coastal areas. And what I was thinking is that they would maybe push up toward back towards Arkansas. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking. And, uh, and really from what I've seen, that hasn't been so much the case, not as much as least as I thought it would be. It seems like we've been able to hold a lot of birds down here in Louisiana, in the coastal areas, all through the first split. And even with the second split opening up, uh, in the east or I'm sorry, in the west zone two weeks ago and the east this past weekend, it seems like there's still, you know, good numbers of birds that are holding to the area. Now, I don't think. Just from what I'm seeing and what I' you know what I'm hearing talking to people, I don't think that we had a big push of new birds coming in for the uh the split. I don't think while the while the season was closed up that we had anything pushing a new big push of birds down uh, and and I could be wrong on that, but you know just hunting this weekend, which I had a couple of things we had a few sicknesses in the family which we haven't been able to get you know out there as much in the last couple of days, but uh, since it opened up again, but just from what I'm seeing, and my my hunch is that we haven't got any kind of push of new birds really coming in uh, when the split hit. You know, uh, <clears throat> a lot of people reported this weekend when the E zone opened up that it was a lot of a lot of stale birds. You know, even if they killed birds, they were harder to work. The birds were harder to work. There wasn't as many numbers of birds. Uh, and you, you know, you may say, well, we had a pretty successful weekend. We saw a lot of birds, you know? Um, and that may be the case where you were, but I think for the most part, we haven't got another good push of birds coming down. Um, you know, since the split now, my good buddy, Roland Cortez, the duck man himself, Roland, Roland's always had a, a saying that he told me since I met Roland, he said, you know, in Louisiana, his thought was that, the, the big push of birds comes first split. He said that, you know, he always thought the second split, we, we typically wouldn't get a whole lot of birds coming down based off of his, his years of hunting, his, uh, his records that he's kept on the migration. Uh, but then if you hear, if you hear a lot of older hunters that still hunt to this day, they'll tell you, Oh, in Louisiana, <coughs> excuse me. Let me take a sip here, guys. One second. The older guys that still hunt, They'll tell you, well, you know, you get the colder weather in the second split of the season, and that's really when we get a better push of birds uh, down south, and especially down here in in southern Louisiana. And, you know, I've seen both. I have to be honest with you. I can't say that one is necessarily better than the other. Um, But there is historical data that shows that a lot of the migration – you know, it either occurs before Christmas or you're really not going to see a whole lot after that. You know, I think it's somewhere in that in that timeline on of around December 20th to 25th, uh, that historical, you know, data will show that the big push in the migration is basically what you're going to have has has really needed to show up by those dates or you're not going to get a whole lot of new birds coming in. Now, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to really believe on that, you know, because I've seen years where that holds true where you don't see a big push the rest of the season. And I've seen years like last year where you know the upper portions of the flyway didn't have any kind of water. They were in a drought similar to what we are down south this year. And we had new birds pushing in last year till the end of the season, till the day we closed. We were shooting we were seeing new, you know, birds come in that we were hunting in the woods last year. We were holding good water, we had food, and we saw new pushes of birds coming in. Every week it seemed, or or if not every week, but every front, I could say that, um, you know, that, that would probably hold true that we were seeing new pushes of birds because the area that we hunt in the woods where we were having a lot of success at last year, second half of the season, it's not an area that just holds thousands of ducks. You know, uh, it it's not a, it's not an area where you're going to go and scout it out and just see thousands and thousands of ducks and, those of you who hunt public land, you could probably relate to this when I say that if you're in an area where you, you kill ducks, but when you scout, you don't see tons of ducks, but yet it comes the morning of the hunt, and you, you, killed, you kill birds. There can be a lot of factors that cause that, and this specific area that we hunt, usually in the second half of the season, it's like that. You could go, you could scout. And you won't see very many ducks. You might jump up a few here and there. But then it opens up and you go to your areas that you hunt and you end up seeing birds. You see new species of birds coming in, puddle ducks, more wood ducks moving around. Uh, you you get different species coming in and you might have a mixed bag during that hunt. And what I tell people is that we don't. And I know this may sound weird to some people, but we don't necessarily in an area like that scout for Ducks, or scout the ducks, the numbers of ducks is what I mean by that. We scout water levels. We scout food source. It, we're looking at an area to hunt an area where they use it as a resting and a, and, a, and a kind of a refuge to kind of get away from the, the fields and the marshes where a lot of that pressure is going on. And they come into those woods. They come into that timber in the second half of the season. That's what we're scouting. We're looking at water levels. We're looking at food source. Is there food there to hold them? When they come in there and take refuge and they they rest, uh, you know, that's the days if you have those conditions, you have the food, you have the right water level, and you get the fronts moving in, that's those days where you're going to have a lot of success. And, And this specific area that we hunt is like that. And many of you probably hunt areas that are like that or kind of sound familiar to what I'm saying. So it's not always, I tell people, it's not always hunting the numbers of ducks that you see. Whenever you go in there and you jumping up thousands of ducks, yeah, that's awesome. That's a great thing. And, and that'll, you know, that's always a good thing to see. But how many times do you go into an area, especially public land, and there's hundreds or thousands of birds sitting on the water when you scout it, and then you get there the morning of, and it seems like all of those birds disappeared. Well, that happens. That that's, that's pressure causes that. Mother Nature causes that with the weather conditions. Uh, you know, that's the great thing about waterfowl. It's a migratory bird. They can get up and leave at any time. Um, but those birds go somewhere. And these areas that I'm talking about, these refuge areas within the woods, you know, where they have cover and they have timber. And they don't have a lot of pressure on them all the time. They go to areas like that. That's the same reason they'll go, those these coastal birds, when they come down here and we start pressuring those birds you'll start seeing those birds raft up on areas like like poncha train here on the eastern side of the state you'll see them in the gulf of mexico you guys that are down in, in you know uh Cassine, you'll see them on the coastline if you hunt close to the coast you'll see those birds rafting up on those days where the weather conditions allow them to go out there sit loaf um, the wax is another prime example how many times you guys down in the wax you'll on, on a good calm day you'll you'll those birds that you saw previously won't be there. They'll be rafted up far out in, in you know, open water. Um, you know, Lake Pontchartrain, Lake Maurepol, that's areas in our area here on the eastern side of the state that you'll see it happen. Lake Bourne, uh, those of you who hunt around the Wrigleys, all those areas, um, you'll see those birds rafted up. Well, those birds, when they get pressure, they go to those areas and they just go sit, get away from that pressure. So, you know, you really, you really... Uh, you know, you have to do your homework, you have to watch those weather patterns. And, you know, if you do that, you're going to have a lot more success. There's no doubt about it. You really will. You know, I, I tell people all the time, uh, you know, they'll, you'll get guys that are, are new hunters. They'll ask questions and, and I tell them, I say the best days that I love the mo- the marshes, the coastal marshes, especially the coastal marshes that butt up to that open water, or you, even your brackish marshes that butt up to those big lakes, like I mentioned uh, or those rough, nasty weather condition days. Because on those days, it forces those birds off of those open water reservoirs, and it forces them inland a lot of times. They'll come into the marshes, and that's where you see those good pushes, those days where you do a lot better because you're getting higher number of birds coming in. They're trying to get out of that rough water, trying to get off of that, those big open water areas, and they'll come into the inland to the marshes, and they'll, they'll sit down and try to rest in there. So that's days where you have a higher percentage. So when you wake up in the morning and it's nasty weather conditions, and it's not something that's going to be unsafe for you, and you're thinking, hey, man, I see rain on the radar. Should I go today or should I not go today? That's sometimes, from my experience, some of the best days that you could possibly hunt, especially if you hunt in those areas that we're talking about, you know. Now, in the timber, I find that's a little different sometimes, you know. It can be good. But in the timber, I'm looking for them bright, sunny days. That's what I like in the timber. That's my favorite, you know. I like them sunny days where that sun is shining. You got you got that those decoys. they they able to see them. You got that jerk string like we talked about moving. Those birds are flying those treetops. If they treetop height or just above and they're responding to those calls, that's the days, that's my favorite days in the timber. Not that you can't kill them on a cloudy day in the timber, but I love those those bright, bright sunny days. I find that's the higher success rate days that you got, and uh, and I, I just enjoy I enjoy the hell out of that. I, I like those bright sunny days in the uh, in the timber, you know. Uh, same in the marsh. I really do like those those bright sunny days. Who, who doesn't like the bright sunny days? I guess you know you got good weather conditions. You get a cold front pushing through. You got wind pumping. It's always nice. It makes a pretty hunt if you're filming a hunt. You know, uh, that type of stuff, it makes great video when you can film them on those days like that. Uh, and it, to be honest with you, if you got your, your setup right, you got your blind set up in the right area, it makes it tougher on the ducks, man. It's harder for them to see you with that bright sun in their face. Um, and, and you could have a lot of success on them days like that. But don't overlook those nasty days where, you know, it's nasty outside you debating whether or not you should go and you you're in an area where you hunt next to a big open water area or you you may you know maybe a, a little brackish or a saltwater marsh that's you know in inland and it's off of a big body of water that's that could be a really good day too as well man I have a story last year you know I was guilty of it last year we were sitting and watching the weather for two days we were planning on making a hunt in a public land piece that we were hunting And, uh, it was one of those areas that I'm talking about. It was a little brackish marsh, uh, that we were hunting off of a big, big open body water, uh, body of water. And, uh, I was, I woke up, I told, I told my partner, I said, or Jackson, it was actually my son, Jackson. I told Jackson, I said, Hey, I said, look, we're going to wake up. I don't know. It's a 50, 50 chance. If we're going to go, you know, we'll see what what the weather looks like. We'll check the radar and we wake up, we look at the radar, you know, uh, before I wake him up and. I'm checking it uh, and I'm looking to be honest with y'all. I'm looking for reasons to kind of talk myself out of going because I, I was tired. Um, you know, we had been going at it pretty hard. I, I kind of just needed a day off, to be honest with everybody. That's that's what it was. And uh, I was like, well, I don't know. So I kind of woke him up and I said, hey, which he was kind of already up. He was ready to go. He wanted to go. And uh, I said, man, I don't know if we're going to go. I think, Dad, I think it's a good thing. I, you know, I look at the radar. Got some nasty stuff coming, it looks like, and I don't know if it's going to hit when we out there or if it's going to be right after, but it's going to be close. I said, why don't we just take today off? And he, and, and he was like, come on, Dad, we got to go. I just got a feeling. I got a feeling we're going to have a good day. Let's go. And to be honest, you know, I, I wish, looking back at it now, I wish I would have been the one that took the initiative and just said, hey, let's go. No questions asked. Let's get up. Let's go. But I was being lazy. I was just being lazy that day, which is rare for me, to be honest, because it's not it's not often I'm like that. I pretty much want to go nonstop throughout the season. But that morning I didn't, and I'll admit it, you know. And uh, and he's like, come on, let's go, let's go. I only get so many days I can hunt with me being out of school, uh, and at the end of the day we only get 60 days. He told me that, so he's heard me say that a million times. So he used my own verbiage on me on that one, you know. And uh and I said, all right. I said, let's go ahead and go. I said, but it may not, you know, we may be miserable out there. So we get there, we pull up at the launch, and there's hardly anybody there. And I'm like, and this is an area that usually has quite a bit of hunters. And I'm thinking to myself, i, I, I there was so little people there. I think we had one or two trucks there, which is really weird for this area. And I it, I looked at him, and he kind of looked at me, and he he looked at me, and he said, you sure we can hunt today? And we started laughing. I was like, yeah, I know it's a day we can hunt. You know, it's not like it was anything closed for any reason. We wasn't in a split, nothing like that. And uh But I did double check it. I will be honest. I double checked it just to make sure. Know it damn well it was a day that we could hunt anyway. So, we ended, wait, we ended up going. And we get there and it's drizzling and it's blue, blue, blue. I mean, it's one of the days it looks like the sky is about to just bust open. Hey, and I'm good with hunting in the rain that does not bother me whatsoever for the most part but i don't mess with lightning i don't like lightning them days where you get them them storms come through and you got lightning popping all around you we're out there in a metal boat you know and i'm six foot three almost and i'm standing up to shoot a shot with another shotgun above my head and it's just not a good combination that that type of stuff it freaks me out so Anyway, we, we go out there and it looks like it could bust open at any time and it's drizzling. It's wind starts pumping pretty good. And guys, when I tell y'all, we were the only ones in this specific area. We were the only ones out there. If we would have broke down that morning, we would have had to call somebody to come get us because there was nobody out there. But when I tell you, it ended up being a phenomenal hunt that day for us. They had green winged teal show up on this hunt like we had not seen all season previous to this hunt and we sat there and we hunted and we had an absolute blast and you know we never got more than a drizzle on us it it, it most of the hunting even stopped raining but we got there got a little wet from the drizzle never had to kick the bills pump on we were hunting the boat blind that day uh just so we could kind of stay somewhat dry if it, if it ended up raining uh and Ended up being a phenomenal hunt, one of our best hunts of the season, prob- probably last year, uh, when that happened. And I looked at him and I said, "You know what?" I said, "You were a hundred percent right." I said, "I'm so glad you made me come." I said, and uh, I said, "I'm proud of you." I said, not only as a, as a young man, but as a young hunter, early in your career, I said, "You weren't stupid about it." You know, it wasn't something that was going to put us in danger necessarily with the weather coming through. But I just didn't want to put up with it. And you said, no, let's go. I have a feeling. And that feeling ended up turning into a really good hunt for us. So, you know, that's a prime example of nasty weather conditions. It kept 99% of the other hunters that day home. And the 1% or 2% of us that went out there, it seemed like we had good hunts. Because I talked to a couple of guys that were at the launch. And they had limited out that day when we got we got to the launch that day. And, uh, you know, they said the same thing. They said, man, we were looking at it. We didn't know if we were going to come. We decided, fuck it. Let's go ahead and go. And they they came like we went, you know, and uh, ended up having a really successful day. And there was not a person out there besides them to share it with or that saw it, you know. So that's just a, that's just an example. Some of them days you don't feel like going. You never know when the birds are going to show up, and you hear you hear guys say it all the time. You can't kill them if you stay home, and that saying is ex, that that's extremely true. That's a, that's a one hundred percent true statement. There, you can't kill them if you don't go, and uh, and look, I know it's not always the best conditions to go, and some days you got to hold back, <clears throat> even though you don't want to, you got to hold back, and you, you know that's just stuff you got to do sometimes. But don't overlook those days, guys. And I'm telling y'all that being a public land hunter. So now I'm talking to all of you guys that, that would normally stay home in the coming and we end up go crowd everything up. But you know what? That's just some advice. That's some stuff that I've seen work for us. Uh, and that's, that's not the first time that that actually happened to me last year. That's just the first time that I was with Jackson and he made me go, you know. So that was pretty cool. But I was really glad for him that that good feeling he had, worked out for him and it worked out for me as well because we were hunting together you know and we had a we had a hunt that we could talk about now and share a story with so that that was pretty cool but uh but yeah uh, overall guys really the first half of the season has been i'm very happy with it i know not everybody has been a lot of guys have had success and there's a lot of you listening that are probably saying huh you know it sucked for us we didn't have we didn't have a lot of success but uh But you know what? The second half is now upon us. we we in the second half of the season. We opened up now in both zones, and you have a lot of possibility to go out there. I think the best is not behind us. You know, even though we had a really good first split, I'm saying for us personally, I think we got better days ahead of us, you know. And like I said, with us kind of checking out new areas, being forced to check out some of these new areas, I'm excited about that opportunity. I may not have a limit when I go hunt them, but I mean if I kill a couple of birds and I learn a little something about that area, then that's gonna be a win, man. That's kind of what I'm looking for this second half of the season. So we have some we have some plans. We're gonna probably go down. We're gonna make a uh make a goose and duck hunt down in Kaplan, Louisiana, I'm sure, with our friend uh Lance and Blaze uh Coco. We're gonna probably be going down hunting with them. They had a real successful hunt this past weekend. Uh, where they have some good bit of geese showing up down in the, uh, in the fields down in Kaplan. a lot of snow geese it looks like that showed up. the specs co- haven't quite made their way down. Uh, they, and when they do days when they do have them, it seems like they're a little bit tougher to work, but I think I think the best days are ahead for the remainder of the season as far as the geese go is if you're a goose hunter uh, you know so that's good. If you can kill a lot of snows and they got snows and, and you're having fun. And, and you guys that are, are God and you, you have clients coming in, you can keep your clients happy. That's awesome, man. Hell, that's fun to shoot snow geese uh, as well. You know, any of that type of stuff is real fun. So uh, I'm looking forward to probably making a trip down there. The second half of the season, we'll probably film uh, like we did last year when we go down there. Uh, who knows? We may we may make another trip back to Hackberry. They seem to still be holding some birds on that side of the state, like we talked about in the, earlier in the podcast. Uh, so we might make another trip down to Hagberry. Uh, you know, even though we're not gonna be in the woods in the timber as much, you probably won't see us putting out many videos in the timber this year. Uh, we'll we'll stay we'll stick with the marshes. I mean, if it's work, it's, if it's working and it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Be stupid to try to go uh, try to force ourselves to hunt the woods that don't have water. So you're not going to see that a whole lot unless it's some new areas that we know have a, a little bit of water that they're holding that we may want to try out and make a couple of hunts in just to see how it goes. But uh, but yeah, we're going to stick to the game plan that's working, guys. That's, that's, that's what we're going to do. I'm sure you guys are doing the same thing, but I really think that our best days of the season are probably still ahead of us. Um, you know, you look at it, we really haven't got a ton of cold weather so far. We've had some fronts and we've had some cold weather, but not. Not that frigid cold weather, you know, not that breaking ice type weather, you know, weather sheet of ice on the water. Uh, really, I haven't had to break out a big jacket for a whole lot of days, you know, um, you know, keeping it pretty much, you know, mid weight stuff as far as, as far as clothing goes. Uh, so hopefully we can get some cold weather. Uh, we can start getting some of those pushes of birds that are still hanging up north, get them pushed down south and, uh, and finish off the, uh, finish off the season pretty strong. So, Looking forward to that, guys. I really am. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, we're going to go back to work this week. We, uh, we're we going to get back to work. We're going to put in a few days before Christmas. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to hit it pretty hard during the Christmas break, hopefully. Hopefully, everybody seems to be getting sick right now. My wife's sick with the flu at the moment. That's held us back a little bit uh, over the last couple of days. My, my youngest son was sick the week before. Uh, And it seems like it's hitting a lot of households right now. If we could avoid that uh, by staying out in the field, that'd be great. We could avoid that and kind of, you know, get more days out there. So, Um, and we also made just, you know, we uh, talking about that. We also made a big equipment change this week. We, uh, we upgraded the old motor from our 23 copperhead uh, to a a new 40 horse surface drive this week. So that's, that's an adjustment uh, for sure. We took it out yesterday on a hunt. And I uh, really enjoyed that, man. I'm very, very happy to be part of the Go-Devil family now. Um, I'm good friends with those guys, uh, and they're great people. So I'm really excited about uh, being part of that family and having a good product that I know is reliable uh, and is going to give me years of good use. And now we don't have to worry about, you know, how much do we have to scale back in the boat whenever we're going out to hunt a spot. We could throw everything we need in there gear-wise, decoy-wise, and hunter-person-wise and have plenty of horsepower to get us back, get us out of there, in case we get some bad weather that moves in, and uh, and get us back home, man. So, really excited about that. wasn't wasn't really expecting to make an equipment change mid-season, but it just happened to be how it worked out. So, looking forward to that as well, guys. So, look, guys, keep your head up. If it hadn't been a great season for you, keep your head up. Keep plugging away at it. Put your time in out there in the field. And if you're having a good season, guys, stick with what's working, man. Hopefully a little bit of this stuff we talked about that's worked for us can maybe help a couple of you guys out. Uh, and hopefully you guys can agree with me that what we saw in the first portion of the season and now with the kickoff of the second split, you guys w- can agree and kind of see what we saw. And uh, and it only gets better from there, guys. So, But that's all I got for y'all this week, guys. Until next time, uh, this is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Y'all don't forget to check us out on social media. We really would appreciate it. YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. And check out the podcast where you get all of your favorite streaming platforms, guys. Look us up, Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Share us with your friends. We'd appreciate it. Y'all have a good one, and we'll see y'all again soon. Guys you hear us talk about it all the time. Our buddy Jay Thomas over at Blind Grass Camouflage Systems offers hunters and outdoorsmen the most realistic, durable, and versatile camouflage materials available on the market today. Let me ask you something. Are you tired of constantly having to rebush your blinds every year or the smell of rotting grass in your blind? How about grass that pokes and cuts you through grass mats that have no depth in color and does not last an entire season well the answer to that is probably yes you've experienced that same scenario and blind grass's patented synthetic blind grass will not rot mildew and is 100 percent waterproof and it's available in mats or bundles and it comes in natural gas color blends or is paintable to match your unique surroundings Folks, do yourself a favor. If you're looking to camouflage your boat blind, kayak, permanent blind, or anything else that you're looking to blend in with your surroundings, check out our friends at Blindgrass Camouflage Systems. You can visit them on the web at blindgrass.com. Guys, let's talk fishing for a minute. When you're looking for bait and tackle for all your fishing needs, look no further than Benoit's Performance Baits. Benoit's Performance Baits offer some of the best soft plastics for bass, saccalay, and saltwater species. Rather it's a day on the water or trying to catch a mess of fish for a family fish fry or a heavy bag to win a tournament, Benoit's Performance Baits has what you need and what the fish want. You can visit us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok to place your order today with Benoit's Performance Baits.